0: Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Capital Creeps podcast. I'm going to be your host, Danielle. And before we get into today's topic, I figured it would make a little bit of sense to give you a pretty brief overview of who I am and what I hope that this podcast can be. So I'm Danielle and I'm here in Austin, Texas. And I have been interested in the paranormal ever since I was 16. I lived in a house that was haunted, as well as I've had another haunted experience too here in Austin, and I'm sure that I will get to share that eventually, but today's topic is not ghosts, and my dad would be not happy with me if he heard me saying that the house was haunted because he claims that it was not, but no, it totally was, (laughs) so... Through the experience that I had, I started looking more into the paranormal and I found out that although I still have an interest in all things weird, I have a particular love for monsters, not ghosts, although I'm still interested in all that. So I wanted to do a podcast where I got to talk about that kind of stuff, and I want the topics to be super broad. I don't want to narrow it down to anything in particular. Just anything that's weird, whether it's hauntings, weird phenomenon, ghosts, monsters, whatever it is. All that stuff is super interesting to me. I think it's really cool how a lot of this stuff has been passed down from before there were technologies that would make You know information sharing easier so I think it's really interesting in finding out the origin of certain phenomenon and just looking into how they might have come about because a lot of this stuff is unexplained and it's weird and it's stuff that a lot of people might dismiss very quickly but yet some of these things have persisted so I think it's super cool um that's what just what I want to talk about, and whenever I was thinking about what I could talk about first, I thought it was super easy. Um, this is a topic that I love. He's my favorite monster of all time, and that is the Mothman. So let's just get into that. Like I said, a super, super brief intro. I'm sure you'll find out more stuff about me as we go along, but yeah, let's just jump into the topic of the Mothman. So, the Mothman is classified as a cryptid and the definition of a cryptid is an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. So, what I find really, really particularly interesting about cryptids compared to other supernatural things is that it doesn't necessarily mean that It has to be something that is paranormal and that not all cryptids are created equal. So, for example, there are people who claim the existence of fairies. There are people who believe in fairies, even if they don't have very much proof. But then there are people who actively go Bigfoot hunting because they want evidence that Bigfoot exists. And there are a lot of people that very much do believe in Bigfoot, much more so than something like a fairy or a dragon. And so, like I said, they're not all created equal. Some we're trying to prove the existence of, others we've just accepted that we'll never have proof. But like I said, it doesn't have to be something super strange or unexplainable. So my favorite example when it comes to cryptids that aren't that odd is the giant squid. So there have been tons of stories about giant squids in the past, you know, from like the Viking era and stuff like that, and explorers having these crazy stories about these giant monsters, because giant squids are exactly that, you know, they're giant monsters, and they're unbelievable. But up until 2005, we didn't have actual pictures of a giant squid in the wild. We had had some carcasses wash up on the shore. And to me, I think it's so interesting, because people saw these and were like, oh my gosh, there must be some sort of monster under there. But in fact, it was something totally explainable and totally real. So while I don't actively believe in every cryptid that I've ever talked about or ever learned about, there is a sort of belief that I have that maybe some of these things could be real or maybe there could be a logical explanation that isn't something as simple as, oh, they thought they saw something that they didn't see. So that's Mothman and that is, uh, like I said, he's classified as a cryptid. Um, He is, there's not thought to be like species. There's just one guy, it's Mothman. And let's get started on where he came from. So Mothman, he lives in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I went watching a documentary about it and (laughs) I thought that West Virginia looks like a really, really nice place actually. Um, It did not, it looked like somewhere in Europe or something, you know, there are all these beautiful hills and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, like this doesn't, I wouldn't have thought West Virginia would be such a nice place. So I found out a little bit about the town uh, by watching this documentary. And it's important to note that this town is tiny. There was a few thousand people living there. Um, It was a very rural area. Like I said, lots of hills, a ton of forest. Um, It looks like a really, really nice place, but that is the setting. And the first sighting of Mothman happened on November 13th, 1966. So supposedly there was a group of grave diggers who were working and they look up and they see this giant thing flying around from tree to tree. They didn't report this until a little bit later, but that was the first sighting supposedly that was when he was first seen. So three days later, this was the first reported sighting of Mothman. There was a group of teenagers, there were four of them, and they were in a car and they were driving out in this super remote area. The area that they were looking around is something that we'll get into a little bit later, but they were driving down, there was a long dirt road that they took, and nobody... Nobody really knows what they were doing out there. I think it was probably like a lover's lane type situation. Um, But they were out there chilling out, being kids, whatever. And all of a sudden they see something and it's off in the trees. Little, he's standing by the trees and it is the Mothman. So this description of Mothman is pretty much universal that they gave. But they described him as being six to seven feet tall He was kind of furry and he was brown and he had a big 10 foot wingspan and he could walk on his feet, but he didn't look like he was super comfortable walking on his two feet. Like that was not his preferred method of travel. And this description is probably the most prominent trait of Mothman. But he looked at them and he had these big glowing red eyes. And not only were they glowing, but they were reflective like a cat's eyes. And so they looked at him and they were like, oop, let's get out of here. That's not great. And so they started to drive away. They were terrified. And so they drove really fast. And they noticed that Mothman was trailing them and that he was going, he was keeping up with them. So they were driving at 100 miles an hour apparently. This part of the story, um, I don't know. Maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. But in 1966, could just regular consumer cars even go that fast? Because I have a I have a Prius from 2017 and if I got that thing up to 100 I think it would explode. So I don't know how much I trust that number of 100 miles per hour but he was going fast. That's all that's all I know. So the kids were watching him for a while. They were looking at him as they were driving away and it wasn't like they just glanced at him and were like oh my gosh let's get out of there. Um, They were actively looking at him as they were, ch- he was chasing them. And that's something that I find really interesting about this story because sure there are some things that could be explained away very easily but I do think it's interesting that they supposedly got a really long good look at him and gave this description. Like it wasn't like they just saw something out of the corner of their eyes. I'm sure Anybody listening can say can agree on this, that we've glanced at something and thought it looked weird and then looked back at it and said, oh, there's nothing weird about this at all. I just saw it in my peripheral or something and it looks kind of funky. But yeah, so they got a good long look at him. So they were super freaked out about it. They were super scared and they were like, okay, let's go tell the newspaper about it. And the newspaper they talked to was a small local newspaper called the Point Pleasant Register. And Like I said, supposedly they were super freaked out. They were in disbelief themselves. So I do think that that lends a little bit of credibility to it. Like it wasn't just kids being like, ha ha, like let's play a prank on the newspaper. Also, that is a super specific prank to play. But from there, um, people heard about it. And by the time three days had passed, eight more sightings were reported to the Gettysburg Times. And they were all very similar. So Mothman had uh, territory essentially and I think if you look a little bit more into Mothman and where he actually roamed I think it makes the story so much more interesting and it adds so much more to the story than just the monster himself. So let's get into where Mothman actually roamed. So in Point Pleasant there was a particular area that was nicknamed the TNT area and this was a really really weird place and regardless of anything having to do with Mothman this place is super creepy and if Mothman wasn't said to have lived there I'm sure they would have had something else to say about this area because it was weird. It was super weird and i I found it interesting because I was doing research for this and I have listened to so many podcasts about Mothman. I've watched so many videos about Mothman and I haven't really heard people go super in depth about where he lived other than to just briefly describe it. And I think that it's a big, big part of the story. So the TNT area was really big. It was more than 8,000 acres and it was previously a world war ii ammunition manufacturing facility so it was a really weird place and nobody ever did anything with it after world war ii so it was just left abandoned but it wasn't just left to rot in fact it was so much worse than that so like i said they were manufacturing ammunition there but when the war ended they didn't have anything to do with the ammo and so they just left it there and it wasn't just left out in the open they had these weird things uh that were it's it's been called bunkers or igloos but to me the best description was it looks kind of like a little like elf house almost <laughs> they stuck out of the ground but not super super high just high enough to have a door for somebody to get in and the top of the little bunkers was covered with grass. So in these bunkers they put a ton of explosives, you know, the TNT they had manufactured and the materials that they would manufacture it with. And these bunkers were made so that if somebody was flying overhead, they wouldn't be able to see them. But if you were on the ground you can see them because obviously they protrude out of the ground. So this was like a really weird place and I'm not sure if this was a popular place for kids to go like play or hide out and like do things that kids do but it was not a safe place to go so like I said explosives were just all around there was over a hundred of these bunkers and I don't know how well they were locked up but it was well known what was in there so in these bunkers There were, like I said, explosives and materials, but there were also in the TNT area, multiple manufacturing facilities and labs where they were, I guess, creating new weapons, manufacturing them, and these were also left abandoned. I went and looked at pictures of the labs and it's so horrifying, like it looks like something out of a Resident Evil game. They are all rotted and rusted. It's super dark in there. It's creepy. You get that industrial feel for it. It is so creepy. And they just they just left the place. So something that I found out that I thought was super, super weird that I hadn't really heard from other sources was that this place in the 70s was called an environmental disaster. And the EPA, That Environmental Protection Agency, came and did a massive cleanup of the area because they took samples and all kinds of stuff, whatever it is that they do, and they found that this place was deeply, deeply contaminated with explosives, explosive materials, and it was just polluting the area. So it was not a safe place to be. There were, like I said, explosives everywhere, but just debris and stuff just contaminating the area, making it like enough to where it had to be deemed an environmental disaster. So they came and had to do this really, really big cleanup. And evidently, it still wasn't enough because in May 17th of 2010, so very recently, there was a huge explosion in that area. So it was still evidently a really dangerous place to be. And I wonder what even could have caused the explosion. Obviously, there are explosives there, but there had to have been something to have ignited the the explosives. I don't know. I just think it's super crazy that this place was just there and it was just open to where public people could go. Because as far as I know, the people who went who saw him later on went looking for him in that area so you could just go there and some people are were saying that he lives there and that he lives in the labs there one of the labs so maybe that was his space and he was like hey could you please just get out of my home because in the story with the teenagers in the car It seems like that was really all that he was trying to do. Whenever they got out of the wooded area, he just flew back home. So I don't think that he was trying to do anything other than be like, just get out. (laughs) And it was for their own good. It was not a good place to be. So that is where he lives. But there was also another sighting that people really, really took interest in. And that was the sighting that happened to the Partridge family. So the story goes that the Partridge family was just hanging out and they were watching TV whenever their TV started being super weird. And later on, Mr. Partridge actually said that the TV exploded. So one of two things happened, but I'm just going to, ha- going to go ahead and assume that the TV was just being weird being fuzzy or whatever and not exploding because that is way too dramatic of a story to even remotely believe but basically tv is being weird and at that time their dog who was a german shepherd named bandit started howling at the door so mr partridge opened the door to see what was going on stepped out onto the porch and that's when bandit went running away he ran after something barking with his hair up high so it was as if he had seen something and then the dog just never came back. So Mr. Partridge was confused. His dog disappeared into the darkness. And so he shown a flashlight in the direction that his dog had ran. And that's when he saw two glowing red eyes. So something to note about this story is um, the next day after this happened, he went and looked at the footprints the dog had left. So it was... As if the dog ran over there and then had run in some circles, but then the footprints disappeared. So it wasn't as if he could just follow the tracks until maybe they went into a body of water or something like that. The footprints just disappeared. So as if something had like taken him or he flew away or something. But this sighting actually happened before the first reported sighting by the teenagers in the car. So The reason why Mr. Partridge came out and spoke later was because he heard about this sighting and said, oh, hey, something really weird happened to me too the other day. And, uh, you know, I guess I should tell people now. So like I said, it happened before this sighting happened. And so apparently one of the teenagers who was in the car that night said that when they were driving towards the TNT area on the dirt road, they saw a dead dog on the side of the road, but that when they were driving back, the dog was gone. So they think, you know, oh, let's put two and two together. Maybe that was bandit. I don't know how much I believe that just because, like I said, they, they claim that they were going like a 100 miles per hour. So how could they have noted that particular detail on the way out? But a lot of people seem to believe that Mothman wasn't just a story and that it was something to be taken literally. So in the documentary that I was watching some people who were around at the time were recounting the stories of what it was like to be there. And they said that they remember people going around and saying, oh, you know, do you want to go out tonight? And the answer was, no, I don't want to go out. I'm scared of Mothman. And just in general, the people genuinely did believe that Mothman was something that they could come across if they were to go out at night. So he became a local legend pretty quickly, and like I said, the Mothman sightings and the phenomenon it went on for a little bit of time. It went on for just over a year of people constantly talking about Mothman and fearing seeing him. And his present. I'm sure you can hear my cat in the background, but I won't edit out the meows. They're they're a fun little addition. When are you gonna hear him make sounds next? <laughs> Well, the Mothman, the big original Mothman surge, actually did have uh, a pretty significant end date. And that would be on December 15th of 1967. What happened to end the Big Mothman saga was actually a really big tragedy in the town. So there was a bridge called the Silver Bridge, And it was a popular place for people to drive as they were commuting to and from work. So one day during rush hour, the bridge actually collapsed due to basically poor engineering. And it was a pretty big deal. So 46 people on the bridge died. And if you remember, like I said, the town had a really, really small population of just a couple thousand people. And so 46 people dying is going to have an effect that's massive on the town, because obviously 46 people, they all, everybody had a circle. And assuming that each death affected only 10 people, which I'm sure it affected more than that, that's a good chunk of your town that knows somebody who died in this accident. So When this accident happened, the town kind of stopped talking about Mothman. And for a long time, they really wanted to talk about the collapse of the bridge because, one, it was a big deal. It was controversial. Like I said, it was due to a failure on the part of the engineers who made the bridge. And also, they wanted to grieve the loss of the people that had died instead of talking about a Mothman. (laughs) It sounds kind of ridiculous when, you know... The whole entire town is mourning. So that is when the original craze died off. But people still in Point Pleasant kind of all had an understanding that he never left. And there were some people who were convinced that they were seeing Mothman well into the 70s. So a lot of people said they looked out the window and they saw him or they were out on a walk and they saw him. There was even a person who said that he came by and walked around on her roof several times and that she would just hear footsteps on her roof during the night. So it was all still similar stories that they had, you know, similar appearance and he came out at night just like a moth would and that he was a real physical being so as far as Mothman goes that's pretty much his story but he ended up becoming a more prominent figure in all of American culture with the Mothman prophecies a book that was written by John Keel in 1975 So that brought Mothman back into the light in Point Pleasant, but it made a lot of people aware of him who had never heard of him before. And even more so when the movie based on the book came out in 2002. And so because of that, it really, really cemented Point Pleasant's place on the map as, you know, a destination for cryptozoologists, which are the people who study cryptids like Mothman. It really, really put Point Pleasant on the map. And then in 2003, so just after the movie came out, Bob Roach made a statue of Mothman that was put in Point Pleasant. And this statue is awesome. I mean, he, he did not hold back. It's really, really tall. It's, I don't know what it's made of, but it's silver and metallic looking. I really like it, I would love to see it. And now they hold festivals for Mothman in Point Pleasant. And, uh, you know, there's tons of, you know, museums and even little coffee shops and stuff like that. And another thing that I found kind of odd was when I was looking stuff up, I kept seeing mentions of Chicago. And so apparently in 2019, they started having Mothman sightings in Chicago to the point to where they opened up a Mothman museum in Chicago. And I didn't bother looking into that because, you know, truth be told, if Mothman was an actual real being, I don't think, one, he would decide suddenly to make a move to Chicago. If he was an animal in the way that, you know, people suspect him to be, it's not like any animal to just up and leave their territory after staying there for decades. And also, I doubt he would still be alive. I mean, I don't know the lifespan of Mothman, but it just doesn't seem likely. So I don't think it was anything to look into. I didn't look into it, but apparently Chicago claims that they have a Mothman. But that's his story. So now obviously it's time to get into what people think, because like I said, a lot of people in Point Pleasant do think, yep, there's a Mothman (laughs) and it's just plain and simple, there's a guy, he's a Mothman, whatever. But of course, you're gonna get people from the outside looking in who want perspective on what it is and want input. And then of course, there are some people in Point Pleasant who have their own theories as to what he could be. So of course, there's going to be people who want to rationalize Mothman because just like any sort of phenomenon, there has to be a rational explanation, right? So the most popular rational explanation for what Mothman is, is one of my least favorite cop-out answers as to what a cryptid could be, and that it is that he is a bird. So pretty much every cryptid, and you will see if you haven't heard this already, if you don't know this already, you will find out that every single time that there are sightings, no matter what it is, it could be anything people could claim to see a crocodile man. There's going to be somebody who says, it is a bird. And typically the bird that they say that it is, is some sort of owl. Because owls can be very tall. Owls can have huge wingspans. And obviously owls have really, really big eyes. But this time it has been attributed to the sandhill crane. Now the sandhill crane is, I mean, it's, it's a good, a possible good explanation. I don't believe this. I, not that I believe that Mothman is real, but I don't believe that anybody saw a sandhill crane and thought it was Mothman for several reasons. So a sandhill crane could make sense because they're tall in comparison to other birds. They have long legs that could make them look more human-like if you were to see them from a, from a distance and really large wingspan in comparison to most birds. So yeah, I could see that, but people kept seeing the saying that they were seeing glowing red eyes and reflective red eyes. So the sandhill crane has regular eyes, <laughs> but around his eyes, the feathers are red. So that's what people were saying. Okay, it's a sandhill crane because you thought you saw red eyes, but no, he just has red around his eyes. But I, do- I just don't think this is a good answer um, because there was just too many people who got a good look at him. Like I said, the teenagers were looking at him for a while, especially when he was chasing them in flight, and it just seems ridiculous that they would look at it that long, and one of them wouldn't say, oh yeah, that's just a bird. None of them came to that conclusion, and I think that if any if if anyone were to recant their statement about what it would be, it would be them. So I don't think it's a Hill crane. I just don't believe that. Um, another one of the explanations that you're always going to get with any sort of cryptid or whatever is that he's an alien. And again, I don't super feel like it's worth getting into. I mean, alien? did he get dropped off on accident? Is he stuck? What's going on? I don't know. If you believe in aliens coming to earth and whatever, then sure. Maybe you could think that. Mothman got lost here or something but there's just too many things that don't make any sense for it to be an alien but there are some theories with Mothman that I really really like and one of them has to do with the TNT area and this is the kind of stuff where I really really love cryptids because they took this strangeness that is real. The TNT area is real. You know, the explosion that happened is real. The, you know, the my- mystery around, you know, there's so much weirdness when it came to World War II. There's so many conspiracies, the labs, I'm sure everything was super closed off, which is going to be like <laughs> it's just going to be a hotbed of local legends. I love this kind of stuff where you can find historical context and think to yourself okay this is how legends are born and taking historical context taking you know what ended up happening to these kids that they thought they saw or maybe they saw whatever and then how it gets spun into deeper and deeper legends i just i love it so i think it's i think it's super cool i love this so some people thought that maybe mothman is a physical being he is a real thing um but that he either was created in a lab to become some sort of world war ii super soldier which such a fun theory i love that or that he was a regular animal or something and all the pollution that happened turned him into something else again super fun I love that theory (laughs) so another one I also really like this because it does tie in like I said historical things that happened and it sort of gives you sort of insight as to how he really stayed cemented in the history of the town and why he wasn't forgotten So this is has to do with the bridge collapse. Like I said, that was the end of Mothman's reign in the town. But it also, I think, kept him in the zeitgeist of the of the times. So some people thought he was an omen and he came there to warn them and say, hey, something bad is going to happen. I'm here to tell you. Some people say he was a good warning and he came to try and stop it. And some people say that he brought it upon the town, that he was like, I'm here to cause this. (laughs) So those are what like the popular theories. I'm sure you could find more fringe theories that weren't very common or well known or whatever, but that is what most people think. And the last two theories I think are the most fun. Um, Now, as far as my thoughts go, I don't have too much to add, but there is some stuff that doesn't make that much sense to me. So although I don't believe that an actual mothman existed and was a guy that just roamed around Point Pleasant during the 60s, I do think it's interesting that these people evidently saw something. It's just a matter of what did they see? Something that also interests me and I find kind of odd is everybody always says that he's 67 feet tall and that his wingspan is 10 feet, but that just doesn't add up. If something that big were to be able to fly, their wings would have to be way, way, way wider than 10 feet in order to carry their own weight. So there's no way that that part of the story adds up either. So, what we're left with is a bunch of really mysterious things mixed with a little bit of tragedy and a lot of mystery. And it just makes me wonder what could have been happening during the 60s. Was everybody just making it up? Was everybody just seeing something and then just dramatizing it? Because it was the 60s. They had nothing else to do. There was like 2,000 people in the town. Regardless of what it was, though, I do think that something was happening during this point in time. And that's kind of why I thought Mothman would be a really great introduction to the world of cryptozoology, because whether it's a cryptid or a haunting or a strange event, weird urban legend, the thing that I really, really love about all this is that there is always something to be said about why a story persists and how it fits into the setting and the history the time frame would this story have happened if there was no tnt area if there wasn't world war ii probably not you know it would probably just be an empty field where there would be no moth creatures lurking when it comes to anything having to do with the weird and the unexplained i think it's really fun to look at how these things have come about. And so I think Mothman was just a very easy example of finding little piece, bits and pieces of logic and fact to throw in to think, okay, maybe this is why this happened. Maybe this is why people enough people claim the existence of something so unbelievable like a seven foot tall half moth half man. So as this podcast goes on, I'm going to try and remember and keep that in mind of let's not just focus on the monsters, but let's focus on the people and the place in which the monster lived in and around. I'm super excited to share more monsters, hauntings, weirdness with you guys. Like I said, it's my favorite thing ever. I already have next week's topic picked out. I have a second favorite monster, believe it or not. And he is actually, uh, he actually resides in London. So we'll be going a little bit, a little bit further out this go, this next go around. I'm going to try and plan on doing these every single Tuesday, putting them out every Tuesday. Um, we'll see what we can do. Hopefully I can make it a thing. And hopefully this was relatively interesting enough to keep you guys entertained because I know I had a lot of fun making all this. So until next time, I guess you guys just stay spooky.